This racing year has been controversial, heartbreaking and magnificent. With me to look back on it are three of the great racing minds. Adam Blinko from Racing and Sports, Peter Moody from Charleville and Glenn Boss from Bow Desert. Let's pull it apart with the Ladbrokes Racing Awards. All right, boys, let's get stuck into it. The laddies, as we like to call them. Uh, I'm going to start with the biggest surprise, and, Bossy, I'm going to start with you. The biggest surprise to me is no comeback from you in the racing season. But uh, I'm hearing rumours. Uh-huh. You've been spotted at Racing Victoria filling in paperwork. What's going on? Well, first of all, there's no comment, <laughs> and I don't know where you're getting your info from, Hamo, but uh, you're way off the mark, pal. My mail's very strong. Is it? Yep. You're returning to the saddle. I'm scared. Oh. <laughs> Adam Blanco, to you, uh, I want to talk about Western Empire and the... I don't. The, the, horse that, <laughs> the horse that you got wrong, basically. Yeah. What would you say off the top there? Racing's greatest minds? Yeah. Uh, Western Empire, the next big thing. He ran five times in the last season and didn't get to the corner once. Um, yeah, Perth's Holy Trinity, Pike Peters and Team Williams, um, certainly more than the sum of their parts, aren't they? They fell apart in, in the last season or came apart and... And so did the Cerise and White Western Empire, probably the, the headline of, of all of that. Certainly was. And Moods, um, you predicted a dry autumn and we largely got it, which I think was great for racing. Good racing is best on good tracks, you know, not flint hard, but good tracks. And uh, nice to see it uh, all by one day. I think I got it wrong on one day and I happened to be yeah, the, I the, benef- I got the beneficiary on the that day. <laughs> And Bossy, uh, you, you were pretty impressed with Moods because he, he, he held his temper largely. One of his best years, actually, Hammer. I think um, from, from memory, I think there was only one spray towards a jockey, or, or maybe there was more, but the one that was a big one. And Moods, I think you're, you're getting better with, that, with age, mate. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I got caught out. There might have been more than one, but uh, I, I made the mistake of giving one when I was in another country and it had to be on... <laughs> It didn't have to be on social media, but someone found their way to put it on social media. So uh, then I had to uh, apologise and grovel a little bit. And, uh, but that's life. We move on. Move on, on Blakey. Quick. He's still trying to get the gravel rash off himself. <laughs> well, it worked. He rode 20 winners more than the market exactly. for the season. Yeah, he had a big year. Exactly. Dead set flying. B- you McDougal. inspired him. Well, listen, he's, he's a bloody good rider. And, uh, um, you know, we all need a kick in the arse every now and again. All right, on to the trainer of the year now. I'm going to start with you, Adam Blinko. Is it just a given Waller gets the gold medal here? Not in my top five. I'm a punter first and foremost and a numbers man. Um, James Cummings, for me, I run a trendy, fancy bit of maths over the top of it, a bit of rankings algorithm, not unlike an, an ELO system. For a few people might know about the ELO system. Run that over all the group races in Australia this season and the races within the races. The hardest stable to beat in the best races, James Cummings. He's the trainer of the year for mine. Moods, Mar and Eustace, uh, they, they are an absolute juggernaut. Well, I think it's been a breakout year for Kieran and David. Uh, you know, Melbourne Cup uh, plus many others, uh, they operate a big operation, multiple stables. Uh, they seem to make it work. From an outsider looking in, you think, how the bloody hell can this work? They do a damn good job. They target the right races with the right horses. They've got terrific systems in place. So for me, they're on top at the moment. Oh, I'm bossy. Uh, our man's had a pretty good year as well. Oh, Moods, yeah. hasn't he? And, and 
any other trainers that have, have really impressed you through the season? Oh, I'd like to give Ben and JD Hayes a big rap. I think they're young guys, they're enthusiastic, and I, I can only see them improving as they get as they go through the the system that they've got in place now. And uh, what they did with Mr. Brightside this year was nothing short of spectacular. So I've got to give them a real honourable mention. And a couple of Queenslanders. I mean, you guys have got Queensland in your blood, of course. Um, Tony Gollan just keeps getting bigger and better, and and O'Day and Hoisted have had a, a bit of a breakthrough season as well with good horses at the top level. O'Day and Hoisted, I, I would Adam's probably better versed than me, but their stats when they're travelling their horses, I think, yeah. would be astronomical. Tony Gollan's pretty much played at home most of this season, but his strike rate's probably the best of any metropolitan stable in the country, so certainly great raps there. Uh, Bossy, I'll just go back to touch on Ben and JD Hayes, you, you know, you forgot they won a Blue Diamond as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, terrific. You know, there's a great array of trainers there doing a hell of a job. Yeah, it's exciting times. Well, I've got the casting vote, um, despite Adam's strong push for Cummings. Yeah. I'm going to give Waller the gold, Cummings the silver, and Marin Eustace the bronze, but um, that's certainly open for debate. All right, time now for Horse of the Year. Let's get into this because it's been dominated by you, Moods, and Chris Waller. I think 11 of the last 12 have been won by you guys, and you might be a chance again. But to you first, Adam Blanco, it's just a lay-down Mazzare animo. I don't think it's quite that straightforward. I think, it's a, uh, I think it's a case of three horses and three variables. So you've got the versatility and the consistency of animo. You've got the consistency and peak performance of Giga Kick. And then you've got the versatility and peak performance of I Wish I Win. Giga Kick ran to 125 or more four times, Animo twice, I Wish I Win just once. And I'm here as the ratings nerd, right? <laughs> so uh, I've got to stump up for Giga Kick. He's my horse of the year. Giga Kick on the outside, trying hard. Late as Marzu, knuckling down. Giga Kick now takes over leading. Giga Kick's won the 10,000. And I guess the other thing, guys, is we know for a fact that the Aussie sprinters are the best in the world, but we also know our middle distance horses are yet to be proven at that absolute top level, Moods. You know, I think you've got to put things into perspective and the horses that perform consistently throughout the year and put the most group ones on the board has to be recognised as the horse of the year and ultimately that is Animo. Uh, we've seen Giga kick, uh, I think, two group ones uh, at the back end of the season and uh, I wish I win just the one. Uh, so we've got to respect, uh, you know, the, the races that Animo has won. You know, they've been there for 100 odd years. Yeah. Bossy, who is better? This is going to be the burning question going ahead as well. I wish I win in Giga Kick because they are the next year of racing, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to split both them horses. Um, Giga Kick for his consistently uh, running well and, and he was proven in the Doom 10,000 actually put into the race. So he's got another weapon in his arsenal, you know. Um, I wish I win. He looks spectacularly Chautauqua-like, isn't he? He gets back and he's got this unbelievable turn of speed. I reckon if you take him out of cotton wool, if you take him to the races a few more times, you know, maybe maybe run him in a golden eagle, then back him up two weeks later in a cox plate. Well, he'll, he'll, he'll be winning, he'll be definitely winning horses even this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, Farlap used to do that sort of thing, so maybe you got the next Farlap. <laughs> Have a go. Four times in a week, and, and don't put the Chautauqua tag on. <laughs> <laughs> and when you have a look at his TJ, I know he's last, but he's probably only six lengths off them. Yeah. He wasn't that far off them. So it comes down to tempo to where he can be in the run. You had me jeering you over the fence. <laughs> saying, geez, he's got this champion miler and he wants to turn it into an unlucky sprinter. What is Peter Moody doing? 400 <laughs> metres later, I walked out. <laughs> but what, what is he? Oh, well, listen, we probably don't know, but uh, let's be honest, the prize money is $20 million of an Everest. Uh, you've got to have a crack, haven't you? Um, next year we might be looking at Cox Plates. Um, 
not this calendar year, but maybe next year. If he's not good enough to win an Everest, we're not going to keep buttering up. So much to look forward to. I've got to give the medals. Uh, I'm going to give the gold to Animo. I'm going to give the silver to Giga Kick. And I'm going to give the bronze to I Wish I Win. Yeah. Now to the Jockey of the Year. I might have made a few presumptions up until now, but Adam, again to you first. Surely this is J-Mac. Yeah, no, this time I won't argue with you. All the fancy maths in the world, I can't get J-Mac off top billing here. He's the, he's the gun, he's the best jockey. If I had to continue to play the role of negative Nancy, I would say that he didn't quite beat the market this season. So for punters, we're asking for a little bit more, but gee, we ask for plenty. 14 group ones, we'll give it to him. But Damien Lane, I mean, what he's done in Japan is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to look, make them look a bit silly over there, though. I've, I've ridden there before, and uh, our, our, our best jockeys are far too good for them over there. Um, but Damien Lane, take note, he's a great jockey. I mean, he, you know, he's won a Cox Plate, he's won a Slipper and all that in Caulfield Cup in one year. I mean, that's pretty hard to do. But, and he's only a young man. He's still improving. And moods, where does Zach Purton sit? Well, listen, our jockeys on the world stage have done a phenomenal job, haven't they? And Zach, uh, five times Hong Kong Premiership, and uh, he's going to win the Premiership there again, and his hit-and-run missions back here have been phenomenal. Uh, what a great array of riders. Could you imagine sitting here 12 months, two years ago, and not having uh, D. Oliver or C. Williams in this conversation? Yeah. You know, that, that just shows you the calibre of rider we've got, and the emergence of Michael D. Yeah, uh, good point. Can ride at a good weight, the confidence building in this young man. Six group ones. Uh, he, he's no airs and graces about him, no flamboyance about him, just goes out there and gets the job done. Jamie Carr, uh, I've never employed a rider on my horse that can get such a maximum effort out of a horse with doing so little on them. And she's once again had a broken season uh, for, for various reasons, but uh, her record's phenomenal as well. And the re-emergence of Blake Shin. Yeah. Uh, coming, if he stops coming getting suspended, like he could, he could set records down here. Gets, gets back into that rhythm. So, mm. what uh, you know, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, the Sydney and Melbourne jockeys rooms, I think they're probably every bit as strong as they've ever been in a, in a long time. All right. So, we're going to give the gold to J-Mac. And they go Damien Lane for his incredible deeds in Japan with the silver, and then we'll go Zach Purton for the bronze. Yep. Now, from the jockey to the rider of the season, who are you with, Adam? Uh, so I'll represent the day-in, day-out Victorian bush punters and throw up Jared Fry. He's riding the Turak, and bush punters in Victoria will know all about Jared Fry. He doesn't make mistakes, and he got his chance in the Turak. And yeah, no surprise to us, he didn't make any mistakes. Got a great tune out of Tuvalu to win the Turak. Couldn't get Tuvalu to go any better than that, I wouldn't have thought, and, and won the big race when he, when he had his chance. I took his chance, Jay Fry, Turak. Tuvalu takes the lead, 50 to go. Tuvalu draws clear and won the Turak. Tuvalu first. What about you? Oh, for mine, it's J-Mac. Um, on our biggest stage, on a short price well, favourite. He's your man. Though. Well, yeah, I mean, but he's, he's everyone's man. But, like, you know, he's riding a short price favourite in our biggest race, the Cox Plate, and he absolutely got it to perfection. The horse was sl slightly missed the kick, but he put him in the spot. The ride was the difference. Well, it was the difference. And um, Did the rides around him help him on that day? Can we ask uh, that question? Yeah. That's, isn't that another segment? The worst <laughs> rides of the year? <laughs> Jesus, no, we, you referring to gold trip? Oh no, the, well there was maybe a few. There was a few, but l listen, the, the good horse put in the right spot, got the job done. Yep. And J Mac does it more times than most. On to the stories of the year now, and there was no bigger story than race falls and and jockey welfare in general. Of course, the most devastating part being the loss of Dean Holland. Yeah, that one hurt, didn't it? You know, it's um, it's been a, a year of falls, and there's no one answer. I don't believe him, though. Um, the, the workload that's put on them. Um, 
And I, I, th I think we need to be respected as athletes, what, what we really are. Fatigue, if, if that's one aspect that we have to look at, fatigue, okay, what's, what's, what brings on fatigue? Generally, it's, uh, it's, it's their diet, their intake. Um, we're asking these athletes to perform at very high levels, but they've virtually got nothing in them. You know, these young boys, especially the boys I'm targeting, an answer that we should look at is raising the minimum weights drastically, maybe four to five kilos. So the minimum, oh, yeah. I'm talking about weight for age race, I'm talking about everything across the board. So we give these athletes a chance to perform at their very best all the time. Why can't the weights go up in a very controlled environment? We're on the horses, we're only back for 15 minutes at the most. After you get the weights go up, after a year, it's all forgotten. Our athletes are healthy, they're better, they're stronger, they perform better. It's got to be better for everyone, the punters, everyone alike. I think uh, maybe the jockeys have got to be educated to maybe manage their workload. Well, I'm not going to argue against Glenn and suggesting the weights couldn't go up. We've had a terrible trot. Uh, we haven't seen it for a long time. Let's hope we don't see it for a long time to come again. There's been talk about should we cap the number of rides a jockey can have in a week, but is that a bridge too far? It is a bridge too far. It, it's up to the individual. There's still that fear of losing a good ride by not doing it, though, isn't there? No, oh, you know what? That's just part of the that's just part of the part of the game. And if you've ridden a horse all its work, all its way through its prep, and you say, "Listen, I'm not going to go to sale that day." You know, that's up to you and the, the trainer to work that one yeah, out. I think us as trainers have probably got to be respectful of that and, and the riders have got to be realistic in doing that instead of uh, they shouldn't be at every meeting. Maybe not cap the number of rides, maybe cap the number of meetings. Mm. Um, I know with the apprentices, if they ride on a Friday night or a Thursday night, they've got to have a 12-hour break. The senior riders don't do it, but most of the apprentices, luckily enough, are probably start off light and they don't have to feed the senior riders the bloke if they're buttering up Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday night. I know someone like Luke Nolan, who rides predominantly for me, a heavyweight rider, might never feed from Wednesday to Saturday night. Mm. It's not an ideal scenario, is no. it? And guys, on to Royal Ascot, I was over there. Um, there was a few shots fired at us, to be honest, after the carnival, saying perhaps the Aussies were a little bit arrogant sending second-level sprinters trying to beat the world's best. Adam, you think we sort of got the results we should have expected, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Coolangatta was probably slightly disappointing. I'm never going to drag a trainer or, or an owner for showing a bit of dare, because as a fan of racing, that's what we want to see. But... They probably, you say there's a little query on Cool and Gadda and she was probably the one on form who deserved to be there. Probably Artorias as well, but on racing and sports ratings, Cool and Gadda went across as the eighth best sprinter in Australia. Artorias was tied 10th. Cannonball was tied 49th best sprinter in Australia. So he was optimistic to be, to be kind. He was, he was playing out of his depth over there. As I said, he's not in the, you know, scraping into the top 50 sprinters in Australia and turns up at the Royal Meeting. I know we like to make fun of the English sprinters, but it's, it's not that straightforward. And if you look at the horses that have won over there, they've all been rated 125 or better. James McDonald didn't have the carnival he was hoping for. I mean, going winless, I think, from 15 rides. Um, and Frankie Dettori is the other talking point. Uh, there's been some negativity about him coming out here for the carnival, Bossy, but he's, he's, he's human entertainment. He transcends racing. Arguably, the world's, well, the world's best jockey over the last 20 years. Like, he's consistently been the best jockey, and his trophy room is just bursting with trophies. And, and I was on the edge of the parade ring, and when they would introduce the jockeys, there'd be Ryan Moore, and it'd be like, Ehh. And Frankie comes out and the joint erupts. He got, he got a bigger reception than King Charles. Yeah, yeah, but that's, what, that's him as a walking headline. And he's flamboyant and he's colourful and he says it as it is, you know, and the star jumps, he's never, you know, never wavered from I think it's that. a privilege we're going to get him to oh. have one of his last racing campaigns out here in Melbourne. Can you imagine next spring we were probably having Frankie Dettori and Dee Oliver 
bowing out their last springs. I mean, if that doesn't get people through the gates just to watch... You're retiring Ollie as well. Well, it, it might, I'm just saying it might be. It, I'm just saying it might be. Um, because he's, he's getting close to the end like I did, right? Moods, would you put him, would you put him on one of yours, Frankie? Oh, listen, it comes down to circumstance. I wouldn't not put him on. Um, but it comes down to the circumstances and what's happening. You're very similar characters. They both enjoy the limelight so much. home for a couple of long necks with you. <laughs> except for the bank balance. Yeah. <laughs> Ladbrokes Cox Plate, it's, it's a real changing of the guard. As we look back on last year's, you've got probably the first four won't be there. Animo, I'm Thunderstruck, El Botagon, Zaki, you'll have a, a challenge to get there again. So, But there's excitement that comes with that, isn't there? Um, the Kiwis are such an important part of the history of that race as well, and they've got some serious horses now, Moods. Well, they supply that middle distance bracket that we tend to lack here in Australia. Just the dominance of the Oaks and Derbys throughout my career yeah. has been astronomical, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they come back. Prowess looked very good. Legato, I thought she was super in the yeah. Australian Guineas. So there's some excitement machines there, but we'll see over the next uh, couple of months, uh, you know, horses come out that we, we probably don't expect. And, you know, once again, the great variable of the sport, what's going to improve, what's going to take that next step? Is a Kovalika going to be able to transform? Translate that Queensland form, where does that register? Mm. You know, and there'll be new kids on the block as well. And we've got a bit of a benchmark there with confirmation that Romantic Warrior will be coming from Hong Kong. Serious, serious horse. Yeah, he's got multiple performances that are bang on where you need to be to win a Cox Plate. And I think you guys sum it up really well. We've got a big black hole at the moment, but if you look at the history of, well, the history of horse racing, horses' form can, can be very noisy, but races tend to stand up. The Cox Plate will take as much winning this year as it always takes. It'll take a high-class performance to win it. So it is very exciting to see who will, who will step up. But Romantic Warrior is the way. He's there. He's good enough, and he's done it several times. So if he travels, he's, uh, he's in the game. Another race I want to mention is the Queen Elizabeth. Because our hopes were so high with Animo, who was walloped by Dubai Honour, who was Adam's second-tier middle-distance horse, really. I think it was downplayed where he sat in, in Europe. He had run third in a champion stakes over there, and if their racing is so much superior, then running third in their, what is essentially their big end yeah, of season Cox slam, Black. if you can run a place there, well, he should be winning here if, if their racing is superior to ours. Now, over middle distances, I don't think we would argue that overall our racing is as good as their was race. Was Animo off, or was it a reality check? He was off probably all autumn. It's a little bit like I was saying, horse of the year before. He was versatile and he was consistent and he was running really well, but his peak ratings just weren't there. And when Dubai on a, you know, put the foot down, he just, didn't, he just didn't have that gear. But what I wanted to ask Moods is, we've seen in the last couple of years, a bloke come down here with a Star Spangled Banner and win our Cox Plate. And now a bloke's come down here with a Pride of Dubai and won our Queen Elizabeth. So hmm. it's not the stallions. Our dams are flying in Japan, so it's not the dams. Our jockeys, they travel, hmm. is the trainers of the week link oh well listen i think uh, you, you see a lot of the horses here maybe we aim to peak them too many times you know animo went to the well quite a few times didn't he and, and he had tough grinding wins i'm not taking away from james cummings and, and the way prepared him because we've got such great racing so many great carnivals and so much great prize money it's hard to say we're not going to have a crack at five or six grand finals yeah. they target a race and that's the grand final and if we win one on the way, beautiful. But where we, we sort of tend, we've got the Tommy Smith theory and because our prize money's so great, it's hard not to do it. You know, I remember someone said, TJ, what penalty will you get in the Melbourne Cup for winning the Caulfield Cup? And, and he said the penalty would be carrying the cheque in the pocket for the prize money, you know? <laughs> Let's worry about it if we get it. And that's our mentality here, rightly or wrongly, that we, we have quite a few throws at the dartboard. 
Stradbroke season was an absolute ripper. Uh, really enjoyable and a produced stars, which we, or potential stars anyway, which we need. The biggest hype's on Kovalika. What does Nerdman say? Nerdman says without a fight, without a fight. I think he's the, the superior horse. He beat similar horses to what Kovalika raced against in the Doomben Cup. He beat him by further. He beat your fame by further and he beat him off a slow pace. Kovalika beat them off an even pace or fame anyway. So without a fight certainly ran bigger figures than Kovalika. Kovalika obviously has great upside. Um, being the three-turned four-year-old, and yeah, it's a wonderful profile, and people will gravitate to that. But without a fight, was the real deal. Which one would you like to train, Moot? Oh, listen, think about it for me. I thought winners keep winning. He was dominant, unbelievably prepared by Joe Pride, built his confidence, went through the grades, looked outstanding. Without a fight, he looks good in a category that we're very much lacking in. Kovalika needs to lift, but he has the scope to do it. So I'd be happy to take any one of them home. But think about it. I think great potential. Adam, you and I went over to Perth for the inaugural running of the Quokka. It was fantastic. I'm convinced after one year it's going to be WA's biggest race. The form, I think, will stack up. It sort of has through overpass already. It was a, it was a celebration of racing over there that day. It was. It was fantastic. People got behind the Quokka. Um, and why wouldn't you? They promoted it really, really well. They, you know, they've put their chips behind it um, and it looks like it'll work. I think it was the most bet on race in the history of Perth racing, I think someone was, was saying. So the public certainly got behind it. It was a great betting race. It certainly got a yeah, push along, if you like, by them having the, the glamour filly in there. Amelia's jewel for, for Simon Miller and, and it's you know, now in the east we get to sit back and say, OK, let's, let's see her come east because she was sort of dovetailed into the 1200 metre race there because there was so much cash in the quokka and it was the race they sort of had to set her for, but she's almost certainly a better miler, so it'll be great to see her come east and get, you know, she's got a decision to make. Exactly. Well, I love her, but I want everyone's opinion on how good she is. So, Moods? She needs to come out of the bubble. I'm, I'm, I want to wait and see, but she looks outstanding, but I want to see out of the bubble. Trust what you see. She's very good. Oh, I think she'll measure right up. I think she's, she's Arcadia Queen good. And Arcadia Queen never, she won group ones in the East, but I don't think she ever really got a fair run at it. So hopefully Simon Miller gets a fair run at it with Amelia's Jewel and yeah, she'll, she'll measure up to our very best. Well guys, we did this 12 months ago. So we're gonna check the score sheet now. Adam Blinko, Fangirl and Western Empire to star. Hmm. Cross. Cool and Gatter won't get to nature strip level. You get a tick for that. Over to you, Bossy. Espiona and Jewess to fire in the spring. Mm. Next big thing, Dylan Gibbons and Bailey Wheeler. You get a big tick for Dylan Gibbons there. So I said Amelia's Jewel, the next big thing. I'm going to give half a tick because it's still inconclusive. And Moods, it'll be a dry autumn. Largely a tick for that. Cool and Gatter will go well with dry tracks. Tick for that. Zaki has peaked, another tick. Don't get too big an ego here. Next big thing, Mullane and Duel. But my question is, well, you couldn't even tell us how good I wish our win was going to be? <laughs> I had to keep some powder dry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get the award anyway, and we've got a little presentation here for, uh, uh, for getting the most right. Three out of four. He had to have four goes, and he got three right. Lucky Thanks to the new here. recruit, Gabby Doxy, for jumping in with that one. There you go. Thank you, Gabby. Mate, after that wrap, that's lucky you didn't fit over your head there. <laughs> well, the competition, it was, it was a bit like the Melbourne Cup <laughs> and the Cox Plate. Someone had to win it, didn't they? <laughs> well done, big fella. I want to talk about this three-year-old crop. It's an outstanding crop. To me, it's one of the best three-year-old crops I've seen. And time will tell how good. But what do the stats say, Adam? 
Well, this century only twice have the three-year-olds beaten the older horses more times in, in open group ones than the nine that this year's chalked up. You have to go back to octagonal and nothing like a Dane to find the group before that. So you've got exceeding Excel's crop and you've got the great Piero all too hard done deal crop ahead of them in terms of, in terms of wins against the older horses. So they've done the job against the older horses already. Now that might be a function of the older horses being no good of course, and, and there might be a little bit of that, but I think this is a strong three-year-old group, particularly the sprinting set. But some of the names, Legato, Prowess, Sharp and Smart, Penny Wecker, Kovalika, Coolangatta, Giga Kick, In Secret, Lofty Strike, Amelia's Jewel, I mean, that is a decent lineup, Moods. They've looked terrific, beating the older horses uh, on a lot of occasions. The interesting thing will be now to see how they step up and improve. But due to the lack of depth in the older horse ranks, maybe they don't have to improve that significantly to measure up as they have had to do in previous years. We've, we've seen a changing of the guard and a rapid changing of the guard. A couple of them will put their hand up and say, you know, we, we can really do it. But on the whole, they probably don't have to improve a lot. You're excited about the new generation coming through, Bossy. Oh, it's mouthwatering. It's, visually, it's noticeable. Um, Pro S is the one that I'm really looking forward to this year. On to the sprinters, and finally, after years, Adam, we saw this changing of the guard. It's been Nature Strip and Eduardo just holding their turf, and, and the back half of the season in particular, the new brigade came through, headed by Giga Kick, and I wish I win. Yeah, they're the new headliners. It was great, Nature Strip versus Fast Eddie for all those years, but it probably, we were ready. For a, for a bit of a changing of the guard and, and yeah we got it we got it in some style obviously with, with I Wish I Win and, and Giga Kick In secret the leader 100 metres to go Lofty Strike is flashing down the outside but it's the filly In Secret holding on In Secret won the new market In Secret winning the new market the way that she did having won the Coolmore the way that she did she had off days during the year In Secret but when she was on she was on and hopefully in the next year we'll see her on a lot more often, which is going to make her competitive with with those as well. So, yeah, and the list goes on. It's a it's a really well, it, does, it does go on. I mean, I, I really rate Uncommon James, who made rapid improvement as well. Imperatrice looks as though it's got a stack of talent. Overpass just got better and better as well. And we know what Private Eye is capable of. And think about if kept to sprinting as well. Think about it. Are you going to me? So, no. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, you're looking at me. Like, oh, I got nothing. <laughs> And Moods, from your own point of view with I Wish I Win, it, it must be great to have that Everest slot locked away and just be able to focus on the horse now in the build-up. Yeah, it certainly is very exciting, isn't it? Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting uh, to see where we measure up. We're going to get a bit more competition from the three-year-olds. We've seen Think About It when the Strad broke and, and I thought he looked uh, dynamic in the back end of the season. So uh, I'm uh, confident that my bloke's certainly going to hold his form. Can he find a little bit more? I'm hoping so because I think he will need to. Uh, we're probably going to see a bigger, stronger giga kick uh, and a few new kids on the block. So it's, it's exciting times for the sprinting ranks going forward. Nice to have an entire country cheering for you as well with New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't know if they'll actually get me wearing the, the black Guernsey with the, with the fern leaf on, but uh, uh, no, but uh, you know, listen, I, I'm certainly proud to, to represent them. The horse is uh, obviously majority owned and uh, born and raised there. And uh, you know, we've had a lot of success out of New Zealand as have most Australian stables. They're an integral part of our racing industry here. The success that they bring to our racing industry is astronomical for the small pool of horses that they produce. So uh, let's hope I wish I win can continue to fly the flag very proudly for them. <laughs> so who is going to be the best sprinter by the end of spring? Adam? Giga Kick. Moods? Giga Kick. Bossy? I wish I win. I'll go I wish I win.
So to the middle distance horses, the conundrum of Australian racing, if you like, because we know it's going to be a new brigade, Adam. And I'm really interested in a horse like Light Infantry, who is going to be set for a Ladbrokes Cox Plate. And then you've got a Romantic Warrior and then all these three-year-olds coming through as well. So it's an exciting refreshment of the middle distance pool, really. Yeah, it absolutely is. Light Infantry was a, a little bit stiff behind your bloke in the Golden Eagle last year. <laughs> I think the best horse won, but he might have run you closer. Scraping the grandstand. He might have run you closer. And he's coming back and he's racing just as well. Ran really well at Royal Ascot Light Infantry. So there's certainly a spot there for him in in our middle distance ranks. It's going to be, I mean, Bossy's all fizzy about prowess, and I get it. That makes a, a whole lot of sense. Ossipenko is one that I think Kovalik is now getting the headlines, but Ossipenko has the ratings to match him and might have just as much improvement to come. And I, there's a bit of substance to Ossipenko. So yeah, Dan Cobby, who does a bit of work for us, he's, he keeps telling me, don't forget Ossipenko. Yeah. Do not forget it. Had that little hiccup at a bad time in the, in the autumn. Well, there's certainly probably a bit like uh, like you've got the Alligator Bloods and Mr Brightsides who have been the sort of flag bearers at that sort of mile range the, the last season or two. It's hard to think that they're going to improve off what they've done. So you've got to look for these three rising four-year-olds, your Prowesses, your Legatos, you know, your Osipankos, your Kovalikos to step up to the mark. Or is it going to be a year that we see a two-year-old rising three? that might step up mm. and, and you know, we see something go around the Cox Plate with 47 and a half or, or 50 on its back, a three-year-old filly or a three-year-old cult. If the one puts its hand up, this might be the year because we haven't got those proven sort of stars at the top. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, Light Infantry was terrific at Royal Ascot too. Set the pace, which surprised a few, but was really good. And you're, you're close with that team. They've got a massive opinion of this horse. Oh, he'll come back here with a full prep under his belt. And um, I suggest that he's going to be very, very hard to beat in whatever he runs in. His, his ratings suggest that he's right up amongst the good ones here. Do you think they'll bring a jockey with him this year, or they're not? <laughs> Frankie De Tory. Frankie De Tory. I think there'll be a change. All right, I was just wondering. They might use. A you, local you're talent. hoping they do. They might use a local talent, right? <laughs> so who will be the middle distance star, Adam? Osipenko. Legato or a rising three-year-old? Light infantry. Legato for me. All right, on the race programming, what race would you rather win? And keeping in mind, there's 87 million, 87 million up for grabs during the Everest Carnival. So October 14, one word answers from all three of you. Caulfield Guineas worth 3 million or Everest worth 20 million? Caulfield Guineas worth 50 million. I'd rather win the Caulfield Guineas. Everest. <laughs> Pretty easy, the Everest. Same day, two rack worth a million or the newbie, the King Charles worth five million. Does the King present me the trophy? <laughs> Only if I get a kiss from Camilla. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, mate. If she comes over and gives me a kiss, I'll ride, to ride that King Charles. October 28, $5 million Ladbrokes Cox Plate or the $2 million Spring Champion? Well, the Ladbrokes Cox Plate. It's got to be the Ladbrokes Cox Plate. Without a doubt. Yep, yeah. easy, easy one. And Cox then you've plate. got the $2 million Manicato and the $2 million The Invitation. <laughs> that is, oh, jeez. Maybe the invitation, that might be worth more money with the mayor's resale value. Uh, and if we win the Manicato with a cold, it'll be worth a lot yeah. more. <laughs> November 4, the $2 million VRC derby or the $10 million Golden Eagle? Golden Gumboot for me. Golden Eagle. Golden Eagle. It tastes good, I know. <laughs> Does. We both won one. Yeah. The $2 million Coolmore. Or the three million dollar Giga Kick Stakes. Fifty million dollar Coolmore. Coolmore. <laughs> Coolmore with the right horse. 
and, and this is the biggest poser yet. On November 7, there's a race called the $7.7 million Melbourne Cup or the $3 million Big Dance. Should we be arguing this point? <laughs> really? I'd rather run 17th in the Cup. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you could change one thing in racing, Bossy? I'd like to see the weights raised. Healthier athletes. Moods? I'd just love to see the country reunite in their racing uh, management, if you'd like. I know competition is good and healthy for the sport, but let's please work together a bit closer than we have the last couple of seasons. Adam? Uh, I'll go down the same line as, as Bossy. I'd rejuvenate the handicapping overall and, and make it a much faster, more fast-moving, more dynamic handicap nationwide or even just in an individual state, just to get horses moving through the handicap a little bit more freely and have fewer horses get stuck on a benchmark. Yeah, and I think there's an argument to say in Victoria with some of the prize money challenges we've got that we could actually hold a little bit less racing but protect the quality of it at the top level. Yep. I, th I think the one thing is Victoria is getting a bit of a kick against us for the prize money levels as New South Wales, but bear in mind I believe Victoria has the best facilities in the country. So you've got to weigh the two up. Um, you can't have spend all the money on prize money and not look after the infrastructure. And I think Victoria are probably balancing it a little bit better than most at the moment. So just bear that in mind. If, if you want a horse trained in Victoria, I think you're going to get the best facilities. Maybe if you want lesser facilities and more money, get them, get them trained in New South Wales. So send your horses to Peter Moody and he'll go and win the Sydney money for but you. the Victorian horses keep winning their money. It's, yeah. it's not a bad thing. No, 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 it's, it's, it's not. Time now for the next big thing, and I'm biased here. I love Simon Miller, I love Amelia's Jewel. I'm going to double down on last year. I'm, I'm with Amelia's Jewel as well. So, to you, Adam? Like it, but I've gone and found the 1,000 Guineas winner, a little filly called Legacies, oh. who won the Anzac Day Stakes, blew them off the park, statistically significant margins, best win in the race since Long John. He went on and won the Caulfield Guineas. She's a good filly, Legacies, is she not? Adam stole him a thunder. Oh. Uh, he has. I'm gonna, I've got to agree with him here. I think Legacies is the promising galloper in my stables. And I'm going to throw in a wild card. I think the next big thing could be a young New Zealand rider to follow in the footsteps of Walker McDonald, a lad called Wiramu Pin. Mm. I think uh, he will be staying in Australia. He'll be making a name for himself. I don't know him. I hope he has the mental stability to cope with what's coming his way to match his ability. Great story behind him too, yeah. just such a ripper story with everything he's been through to get where he is. And what about you, Bossy? Well, I think we're going to be talking a bit more about this. Um, as it stands, the whip rules, there's five before the 100 and unlimited after the 100 metre mark. It's different in the UK. It's only yeah, six in a race. That's right. I think, is, I think there's going to be more news about this thing. Is, I think there's going to be more refinements uh, and their jockey's going to have to really get used to it because... Heat of the battle stuff, they're losing their numbers. And if you read the Stewart's reports on every meeting, there's fines, 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 fines. And, uh, yeah, just to demonstrate it, you have to uh, <laughs> say you're all there, right? And you're trying to win a big race and you're hitting them like that. Like that. Hang on, I'm see, trying to count here. It doesn't even hurt, really. Can you count? No, see, I've already lost count. <laughs> Hang on, how many times before the 100? Oh, I mean, I lost count then, so I don't know. But uh, in, the, in, the, in the heat of the battle, you, in the heat of the battle, they're, they're losing their numbers, right? Have I got to kiss you now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. 